the itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Out came the sun and dried up all the rain and the itsy bitsy spider went up the spout again. Yay! This is Generation Justice. I'm Edgar Cruz. Generation Justice is a multimedia movement that trains youth to harness the power of media for social change. And I'm Kenya Alonzo. Over the past decade, New Mexicans from all political beliefs, diverse communities, and geographic regions have forged a powerful alliance that focuses on the care and education of our children. Tonight, we discuss early childhood development and home visiting programs here in New Mexico. We will hear about the experiences of Elijah Ramos, Brenda Enrique, and Oalise Garcia, young parents who participate in voluntary home visiting programs. We will also hear from Jessa Bunker, a public policy advocate from CHI St. Joe's Children, who will share more about home visiting, early childhood development, and the policy impacts from this past legislative session. Generation Justice is so honored to feature these guests on our show this evening. Throughout the night, we will play music selected by our crew. Here's our music host for the night, Lucero Velasquez. Take it away, Luz. Hey guys, this is Lucero Velasquez, and I'll be your music host for the evening. First up, we have the song Young Girls by Princess Nokia, an independent Puerto Rican artist from New York. She started a collective called the Smart Girl Club for women of all walks of life. So here's Princess Nokia with Young Girls. Recently, the University of New Mexico released a report on the benefits of voluntary home visiting programs for New Mexico's families. During the next hour, you'll hear from three parents who will discuss the positive impacts of these programs. Pegasus Legal Services for Children has made sure that the voices of young parents are part of the discussion we have tonight. We are joined by Elijah Ramos, a 20-year-old father to a 10-month-old baby girl. He is a new father and has used home visiting to help him become a better parent. Here is GJ Fellow Tamara Kalaki with Elijah Ramos. Hi, my name is Tamara Kalaki and I am a Generation Justice Fellow and I am here with Elijah Ramos to talk about the home visiting program. Welcome to Generation Justice. We really appreciate you being here today to talk to us about home visiting and we would like to know more about you. So could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm happy to be here. My name is Elijah Ramos. Uh, I was born in Austin, Texas, but I've pretty much grown up in Albuquerque, New Mexico since I was about five or six. My fiance is Audrey Ortega, and uh, my daughter's name is Sophia. She is my first child. She was born on April 25th. She's now 10 months, and uh, really it's just been such a uh, an experience to watch her grow and to really experience that. So how did you feel when you found out you were going to be a father? Oh, geez, it was <laughs> it was just surreal. I kinda, at first, I kind of didn't know, you know, what was actually happening. But then as it starts to sink in, you really start to think, okay, you know, what are the things that I need to start changing? What do I need to start doing? What do I need to do to make sure that I'm a good father and to do the things that my daughter needs from me? 
That's great. And can you please describe the home visiting program? So the home visiting program, we do it with Nurse Family Partnership. And really, it's it's pretty convenient. They'll meet you wherever you want them to go. What happens is they come to you and pretty much you spend about an hour either talking about your baby or learning about your baby, you know, different things where they're at in, in uh, their stage of development. That's really great. I'm, I'm very happy that they have programs like this now. Oh, yeah. Definitely helps a lot of parents all around New Mexico. And it hopefully really it, it's something that will start around the country. I feel like it'd be a benefit to, uh, to a lot of families. And as we understand, this program is voluntary. So why did you decide to join this program? So my mom actually works for Bernalillo County. She's a manager at Raymond G. Sanchez Community Center. And I know that she she knew someone with Nurse Family Partnership. And basically, she just gave us the number to Nurse Family Partnership. She knew someone there. We talked to her. And uh, what happened is we just set it up to where they came to our house maybe a week or two later. And we actually started it back when uh, Audrey was still pregnant with Sophia. Uh, she was about six months pregnant. And we've pretty much been with it ever since. From the experience of this program, what parental tools have you gained from participating in this voluntary home visiting program? So I know one of the examples is, you know, she'd go over things like, you know, where do you want your baby's crib in the room? And you don't want it by a window necessarily because windows will either amplify the heat or they'll be extra cold from outside. Um, Different things like that. That's just one example. But they kind of help you to distinguish, okay, what should I do with my baby? Even things like, okay, what can my baby eat at this stage? What's safe? What's not? And uh, different things like that. I'm very glad that the program's help parents in that way because I'm sure, especially when you're a new parent, it's like, what do I do? Oh, exactly. (laughs) so scary. From this home visiting program, how do you feel that it's helped benefit your daughter? I know that there's a... There's a period when the baby first comes uh, comes home from the hospital. I can't remember the exact time frame, but it's called the period of purple crying, a stage where they increasingly cry more and more, and then, you know, it kind of levels out. But that's something that I wasn't expecting, and I'm sure neither was Audrey. But the fact that uh, Nurse Family Partnership was able to make us aware of, okay, this is going to happen when it does, these are some things that you can do. So we didn't have to freak out, you know, why is she crying? What's wrong with her? Is she, uh, you know, is she in danger? Is she hurting? Do we need to take her into the doctor? Wow, that's great that you're prepared for that, I'm sure. Like you said, most parents don't even know that. And like you mentioned earlier, there's not a lot of education on these things. So it's great that we have those resources and we utilize those resources. Definitely. Going through this home visiting program, what sorts of questions have you asked your home visitor? The way the babies gain weight is definitely different for every baby, but there's a, a sort of a curve that most babies go on. Um, it's either higher or lower depending on their starting weight. But for a while there, Sophia, it looked like she was kind of not gaining as much weight as she needed to. But in all reality, she was perfect for her age and development. So it was nice for, for us to be able to ask, you know, is there something wrong with this? Does she need to be eating more? Does she need to be gaining more weight? 
And uh, she kind of put us at ease and said, you know what, it's perfectly normal for this stage. You guys are really doing everything that you can do right now. That's great. And your home visitor, did you create a strong relationship with her? So, yes. Um, ever since Audrey was six months pregnant, it was the same nurse who's been coming to us. Her name is Aubrey. But, uh, yeah, she's been coming the entire time ever since Audrey was six months pregnant, even up till now. And uh, we see her about every two weeks now. The The amount of times, the frequency that we see here does change depending on the, you know, how old the baby is, um, whether she's actually born or not. Because when before she was born, we actually saw her about every week or so. There was a lot of information and a lot of knowledge to uh, to learn. Really, we can count on her being there no matter what we need. Even if we need any type of government assistance, like Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, anything like that, or, or housing, you know, she's just extremely helpful in providing us with whether it's website links or applications or whatever the information might be that she gets it to us. She helps us to know what we should be doing or what we can do. That's great. I'm glad you have that relationship with her and you have her your home visitor and your daughter's going to have a great development as she gets older. So. Definitely. We, we can definitely count on her for whatever we might need. And can you tell us what are your hopes and dreams for Sophia? My hopes and dreams for Sophia are really that she just grows up to be a healthy, happy baby. And really to be able to add that support and that structure for her in her life so that she can grow, you know, the way that she's supposed to. That's great. And is there anything else you would like to add? Uh, one more thing that I'd like to add about the home visiting program is, you know, when you, when she comes in, it's not like you have to, it's not as tedious as, you know, taking a class, you got to take notes and everything like that. But when she comes in, it's really more of a, of a conversation. So she'll come in, you know, a normal week and she'll come in, um, she'll kind of have her clip, clipboard there to take notes and, uh, Really what happens, we just end up talking about our week. And, you know, Audrey, uh, Aubrey will just ask us a, a lot of different questions. So what's happened this week? Have you noticed anything different with the baby? Um, she'll bring, like, little worksheets for us to uh, to talk about, too. So at this stage in, uh, in the baby's development, she should be, you know, picking things up with her fingers or, you know, starting to crawl and... It's really just fun to set aside an hour to talk about Sophia and the progress that she's made. Um, the other nice thing is that Aubrey really, like, like I said, so we'll tell her about our week. She asks about you know, how my day was, um, about how Audrey's day was. And really she'll write down different things and we'll say, you know what, we've been wanting to do this or we've been wanting to do that. And then what Audrey does is she, Aubrey does is she'll write it down on her clipboard and she'll say, okay, so next time I come, we'll see if uh, you guys have done this or done that. And she kind of holds us accountable and uh, writes down our goals. And really, she's just an incredible support system as well. She's always reminding us of all the progress that we've made and uh, really just giving us all the tools that we need to make sure that Sophia is just growing as much as she can and the way that she should. The other thing is she's she's always offering different resources. Like sometimes she'll bring home books for Sophia. She gave Audrey a uh, it's called a a boppy and a Moby wrap. She also gave us a safety kit that's uh 
it's really nice. It has uh, little nail clippers in there, a thermometer. But really, she's always just, you know, giving us different tools and helping us with uh, caring for Sophia. That's great. Thank you for sharing that with us. Of course. This is Tamara Kalaki, and I was here with Elijah Ramos talking about the home visiting program. Yeah, thank you. And, and really, I'm happy to be here and to, uh, to share my input about the home visiting program. And we really appreciate it. I feel so thankful for having Elijah on the show today. I think he's an inspiration for many young fathers. I applaud your strength and love for your child. I really admire the effort Elijah has put into trying to do his best in order to help his child. He's a symbol of all the families that these home visitations are helping. And now back to our music host, Lucero. This next song is Tomate el Palo by Miss Bolivia, which was chosen by our calendar host, Erin. Miss Bolivia is from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Her music captures the essence of cumbia, hip-hop, dance, and reggae. I think it's also real cool how she has a degree in psychology. Without further ado, here's Tomate el Palo. Tonight's program has been dedicated to the importance of home visiting programs. We're speaking with families who participate in home visiting programs and discovered that investing in early childhood development is crucial. To learn more about the policy that impacts New Mexico's early childhood development system, GG Fellow Polyzinek Law will speak with Jessa Bunker, a policy advocate who spent many days in Santa Fe during the state legislature. Here is their informative conversation. My name is Polly Dineklaw, and I'm sitting here with Jessa Bunker from the CHI St. Joseph's Children. Welcome to Generation Justice, Jessa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Jessa, the first thing that I'm going to have you do is just please introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Jessa Bunker, and I'm a proud New Mexican, very happy to be in New Mexico, giving what I can to build our state uh, into a better place. I uh, was uh, born in Las Vegas, New Mexico. I uh, graduated from Mora High School and a proud alumni of the University of New Mexico. So it's great to be here um, sharing with you guys. I got into social justice work and organizing work. Um, kind of my path just led me here through my student employment within Los New Mexico that led me to the Partnership for Community Action, where I learned over uh, four and a half years the, the process of community organizing and the power behind that. And that led me to my current position at CHI St. Joseph's Children as a public policy advocate, working on early childhood education um, and expanding that to people across the state. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about myself and, and how I got to where I am today. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Jessa. And I do think it's so important that New Mexicans are advocating for New Mexico. You mentioned that you work now for the Catholic Health Initiatives, also known as CHI, St. Joseph's Children. So can you tell me a little bit more about St. Joseph's? Yeah, definitely. We are really lucky to be a part of a huge network that is across the United States called the Catholic Health Initiatives. CHI St. Joseph's Children is the, um, the part of the Catholic Health Initiatives that is in New Mexico. We used to own St. Joseph's Hospital here in Albuquerque. 
And so what happened was, it was been several years, but the St. Joseph's uh, Hospital went through a formation process to see how they could really serve the need. There were a lot of hospitals in Albuquerque um, at that time, so they decided to sell the hospital and invest it in home visitation because they really felt when you're looking at health, this is a way that you can work upstream and um, you know start at, with a strong foundation and really change the health and educational trajectory of our community members from the beginning, from before they're even born. And so that is why we currently have the largest home visiting program because we've actually invested everything from the sale of the hospital into a home visitation program. And so CHI St. Joseph's has really been at the forefront of advocating for early childhood development and for New Mexico's children. So can you tell me a little bit more about the why? Yeah, definitely. So it's really a neat combination of how St. Joseph's approaches um, our work in early childhood. We have the home visiting program, and then we have enhanced referral services program, and then we have the advocacy, which is really the social justice part of it. So there's direct service as well as um, on the advocacy part to try to expand what we're doing to all New Mexicans. So through the home visiting, we are in the homes of more than 500 families every week across the state um, providing home visiting services. So the home visitors go once a week and visit um, parents um, as pre-birth all the way up to the the baby's third um, year, um, doing activities, um, measuring the developmental milestones of the child, and encouraging the parent, um, really supporting that um, early mental health um, of the babies. The enhanced referral services is, you know, parents, if they don't have a place to live, if they're struggling with substance abuse, if they don't have food to eat, um, a crib to put their kid in, car seat, everything else is secondary to that. So the enhanced referral um, service program really helps connect parents with the uh, resources they they need to create a, a loving and safe environment for their newborn baby. And then again, the, the advocacy part, the social justice part, you know, only three to four percent of our babies, um, including all the programs in New Mexico, get home visiting. And so what does it look like to have all kids have this service, to really turn the curve on some of the factors we're seeing, you know, the huge child poverty rates? We need to um, have this service available. And St. Joseph's can't do it all. And so that's why we're really working with the legislature to really do their part also um, to provide what our kids need. Parents are expected to piecemeal together what they can in regards to child care and what they can for preschool with home visitation, with health. And it's really hard. There's very little infrastructure and you know programs out there to support parents with young children. So those, those three programs are really what St. Joseph's focus on. I really liked how you pointed out that New Mexico is like first when it comes to child poverty. And I think that that's so important when we're talking about early childhood education, early childhood development. We've actually launched a campaign, an educational campaign around that called New Mexico Truth to really raise awareness of that because, you know, sometimes folks aren't aware of it if they're not engaged in this kind of work. So we wanted to, first of all, bring this issue to the forefront and then call all of us into action. You know, it's really interesting. There's a metaphor that I was introduced to actually through through my boss, Alan Sanchez. He was talking about um, the developing brain. And so I'm going to talk about child poverty and the importance of providing support to children because the developing brain, if you think about it, there's 9,000 synapses connections per second. Um, and 
it's really happening, these synapsis connections, um, when the child and the caregiver are interacting. Um, so this is when the, the architecture of the brain is being formed. Um, and if you think about it, we have a lot of potters in New Mexico. They build beautiful pots. Um, and the baby's brain is like the pot being molded and formed when the clay is wet. Um, and then, you know, it's when they're five or six years old that the clay, you know, starts to get hardened into the structure of the brain. But what's happening is that in these early years, it's like we're poking holes in our pot. And these holes are caused by, you know, increased levels of toxic stress, um, which increases the cortisol levels in the brain, which actually, you know, scientifically they've been showing over the years in the studies on early childhood brain development creates dark spots in the brain. And so here we are where, you know, and these are lots of things that lots of New Mexicans face, you know, homelessness, poverty, domestic violence, uh, crime, the lack of food, you know, and the list unfortunately goes on. And so if we're not supporting our kids so that they can be buffered from these difficult societal factors, later have, you know, a brain that um, is just not complete, unfortunately. So we pour resources, you know, like K-12, is we invest important resources into education into this pot, but there's holes and the education flows out. And so I thought that was just kind of a beautiful metaphor to think about, you know, really valuing these early years and t- doing all that we can to to support our children in these first crucial times of their life. You mentioned the New Mexico Truth Campaign, and that was directly linked to the legislative session. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about that and some of your advocacy work at the legislature? So the legislature has been working to make strides in investing more in early childhood education. So we definitely want to commend them on that. There were plans to invest more in early childhood education from the general fund. However, the price of oil and gas has plummeted across really the world. And our budget here in New Mexico is highly dependent on revenue from oil and gas. Um, So this year was kind of like a perfect storm because it's been years that we've been reducing reducing or taxing. So we've been really cutting into, you know, the amount that we tax folks. We haven't really felt the effects until now because we've been so dependent on oil and gas. So because of that, proposals to increase funding for early childhood were really cut. Early childhood funding basically comes through two sources um, once it gets approved by the legislature. It's disseminated through the public education department, and they ended up not getting any increases. Mostly they get funding for pre-K. So what was proposed as a $2 million increase for PED pre-K for four-year-olds didn't happen. So their budget has remained at $24.5 million. Um, The other avenue that we disseminate funds for early childhood is the CYFD, um, the Children, Youth, and Family Department. Um, And we were able to, uh, the governor did approve some increases for pre-K for three-year-olds, 750,000, as well as uh, some pre-K. So that brings the pre-K total to 27 million. Um, There was also some increases for home visiting, about 900,000. So that was good that we're seeing that. However, I want to put this into context of the needs. You know, a lot of times we hear, uh, you know, 24 million and we think, okay, that's good. When we're talking about the level of the state, the need for a comprehensive system uh, for all New Mexicans that want home visiting, preschool, child care assistance is three to 400 million. So we're really talking about 
pennies on the dollar that we are investing what's needed. And I think that's important for us to keep in mind because if we don't make a substantial investment, we're not going to see the outcomes that we want because it's just not going to help us turn the curve if we're only reaching 3 to 4% of the children. So um, on that note, one of the things that we've been um, advocating for is not just depending on the general fund because it is so inconsistent uh, from year to year. However, a lot of folks, um, we're, we're educating a lot of folks on the opportunity to invest from our land-grant permanent school fund. This is a fund, it's the second largest in the nation that was dedicated, um, that is dedicated to education. It's currently at about $15 billion. And this is a fund for New Mexicans. And so what we're really pushing for is to rethink what is it education. Um, As we've learned through science, um, education starts before birth. And so we're really trying to redefine what public education looks like. And this isn't uncommon. This isn't unprecedented. Um, You know, back in the 70s, we expanded public education to include kindergarten. You know, before that, we expanded public education to go up to 12th grade. So now we're just trying to catch our system up uh, with the the science behind brain development. And so, um, yeah, we'll continue proposing that. And our proposal is to invest 1% of the land-grant permanent fund into early childhood education, which would result in approximately $150 million. So it's a bold investment. You know, it's not $25 million here, $25 million there. It's, you know, it's a bold investment, and it's getting us to where we need to be. So last August, the University of New Mexico Institute for Social Research released findings of a two-year study that they did on the CHI St. Joseph's Home Visiting Program. Um, So can you tell me a little bit about what that study said? Definitely. So, you know, as we're showing and um, talking about early childhood education, folks say, does it work? And can we replicate it across the state? Um, How are you going to spend this money? What is the plan? And we're saying we have a plan. Fund what works and expand it. Um, So the UNM study really was the beginning of a longitudinal study that we're going to be doing um, on home visiting and showing its effectiveness. What we're really showing is that it is working. The outcomes are getting better. We have uh, mothers who all initiate uh, breastfeeding. We have have, um, you know, mothers who are, you know, have better outcomes with their children because of the program compared to some of their peers. And most importantly, that it doesn't just have to be one program. We can replicate this and take this across the state. So we can, you know, use up those resources very quickly, um, not just with home visiting, but fund the waiting list for pre-K, you know, give parents the child care assistance that they need. And so with the um, UNM studies really looking at, you know, the effectiveness and showing concretely that home visiting is effective in proving outcomes for children. And Jessa, if people want to get involved in the early childhood movement here in New Mexico, uh, how can they do that? Yes, definitely. We invite everyone to join this movement. It's going to benefit the whole state. If you'd like to learn more about the campaign against child poverty, you can visit newmexicotruth.org and you'll find more information about the statistics, about what we think is the solution, which is investing in early childhood education. You can also go to the website investinkidsnow.org to sign up to be a champion for early childhood education and receive news on the issues. I also encourage you to 
learn who your legislators are and be in communication with them. You can go to the New Mexico legislative website, nmlegis.gov, and look up your legislator and talk to them about why you think early childhood education is important and making bold investment in early childhood is important. And then, yeah, feel free to, to check out those websites and get involved in the movement. Thank you so much, Jessa, for coming here and talking with us about home visiting and also early childhood education. They're very important to the well-being of New Mexico's children. And I just want to thank you for your advocacy work and for advocating for our young people and just sharing your knowledge with us. So thank you so much. Definitely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Jessa. That was very insightful. We're so lucky to have you making such a big difference in your home state. Jess's involvement has definitely led to a positive impact within New Mexico's parent community. Thank you, Jessa, for your work. Now to our music host, Lucero. This next song was chosen by Kenya, our host. The internet is a soul band with lead vocalist Sid the Kid, who is a singer, DJ, and producer from Crenshaw, Los Angeles. Here is Gabby with special guest appearance Janelle Monet. Tonight, we'll be talking about voluntary home visiting programs and hear about the impact from New Mexican families. We are happy to welcome two new mothers who will share their experiences participating in a voluntary home visiting program in Santa Fe. Brenda Enriquez and Ololis Garcia are participants in the Mother Tongue Project and are grads students at Capitol High School. Grads is a statewide system that began as an in-school program for teenage parents and has since added on-site child care centers, career readiness, youth leadership, and fatherhood programs. Here is Tamara with Brenda Enriquez and Ololis Garcia. Hi, my name is Tamara Kalaki and I am a Generation Justice Fellow and I am here with Brenda Enriquez and Oralis Garcia. Can you both please introduce yourselves? My name is Odalis Garcia. I'm 17 years old. I was born on September 23rd. I'm always going to be almost going to be 18. Um, I have a, a year old kid. He's a year and two months. His name's Axel. I'm an 11th grader at Capitol High School. I am Brenda Enriquez. I am 17 years old. I am from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I'm a senior at Capitol High School. I have a nine-month-old baby. His name is Diego. He was born in June. He loves to play, and he barely started crawling. He stands up on things, and he moves around. And yeah. <laughs> and um, Brenda, can you describe the voluntary home visiting program? Someone um, depends if it's a woman or a man. They go to your home. They make sure that that you have um, help. Basically, like when you're pregnant, that you have food, that you have um, a home, that you have help for whenever the baby comes, that you have um, diapers, basically anything that the baby needs and that you will need to support your child. And Oralise, was your home visitor there throughout your whole pregnancy? Uh, I usually met her when I was about to give birth. So it was like just a month when I was pregnant and then like five months when Axel was born. And this home visiting program that you were a part of, what was it called? Uh, PMS, Presbyterian Medical Services. It's a free program and um, 
it's really good because we don't have to pay for um, daycare. We just have to be either a part-time job worker or a full-time student or at least have four classes. So from this home visiting program, what parental tools did you both gain? They um, helped me to calm myself down and to calm him down. Or when he was a baby, um, he would get colic very often. And they taught me how to hold him so um, he wouldn't um, get them anymore. Well, with me, she helped me with the breastfeeding. And then what really helped me also was like how to like manage a relationship between me and my boyfriend. And how has participating in this home visiting program benefited the well-being of each of your sons? Well, I'm still a student, so um, I was struggling to get daycare at first. Um, I missed a lot my first um, uh, my first quarter of school because I had no one, I had no daycare or babysitter until my home visitor got me a spot there. Um, and the daycare is actually like right in the school, so um, whenever I go to lunch or anything, I can just go and see him. They also provide us like if we need like Pampers or something, they'll get them for you for us. And especially money, if we like need money, like for gas or something to go to school, they help us. So there was a report recently released by the University of New Mexico about the benefits of the voluntary home visiting program. So what are some benefits that you have seen in each of your homes after deciding to be a part of this program? When I was pregnant, they gave me food. Because, like, we were having sometimes a hard time, like, getting food. So, like, she provided food for us. And then she also even worked with my mom, like, to manage, like, um, how to help me, too, like, with the baby and stuff. Also, my boyfriend was having a hard time, like, trying to, like, because he thought that since I was just breastfeeding that um, he was more attached to me. So, like, it my actually my home visitor was the one that um, provided the um, the idea of, like, breastfeeding and bottle feeding. Mm. So that way he could, like, the dad could bond with Axel too. And um, why do you think this program is important? Like me, I know there's many teen moms out there who struggle every day to work, go to school, and still take care of your child. So I feel like this program helps those teen moms. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a teen mom. It could be any mom who's who doesn't have either the money for a babysitter or just the help they need to care for their kid. And so this program really benefits anyone. And Oralise, can you tell us what are your hopes and dreams for Axel? I want him to finish school and have a career. That's why, like, I'm trying my hardest to, like, finish school and go to college so that way when he's older and, you know, they get to that age when they don't want to go to school. And that, that way I could, like, tell him, I did it. If I did it, you could do it. I kind of don't want him to be a team parent like me, but, like, if it happens, like, I'll be there for him. But, like, I just wanted to show him, like, cut that cycle. Like, you know what I mean? Because my mom was a team mom. I'm a team mom. Like, I want, like, him to cut the cycle and, like, have actually, like, a career, like, when he's older and then, like, maybe when he's, like, 30, get married. (laughs) And, Brenda, what are your hopes and dreams for Diego? For right now, (laughs) I just want him to start walking and the basics to start talking and going to school and getting good grades and but when he grows up I want to see him go off to college and like any mom I want my kid to grow up and be someone big 
I find these young women very admirable. I believe home visiting programs are essential for positive child development. And Brenda, Alalis, you're both a wonderful example, and I hope you inspire young parents to utilize this resource. I have a lot of respect for Brenda and Oralis. They didn't just give up, and instead they continued their education and put in the extra effort to make sure their children stay healthy. Now, for more music, here is our music host, Lucero. Up next, we have a song by the Julie Ruin, I Want to Know What Love Is. Band founder Kathleen Hanna helped start the Riot Girl feminist punk movement in Washington Olympia with Bikini Kill and Le Tigre. I picked this song because it reframes the meaning of love and women's role in society. Here is I Want to Know What Love Is by the Julie Ruin. It's now time for calendar. Let's hear about all of the exciting things going on in our community. Let's not forget to celebrate International Women's Day on March 8th. Thank you, Edgar in Kenya. I'm Kutbalin Mashika. And I'm Aaron Hagler. We are here to share with you a calendar of events that honor all of the women in our lives who we love so much, as well as the native culture that makes our communities so rich. On March 8th, in celebration of the International Women's Day, the Con Mujeres campaign is presenting a webinar featuring Dr. Irene Bleh, author of Daughters of the West Mesa. This tale is based on the true story of the discovery of 11 female remains and an unborn fetus on Albuquerque's West Mesa, a case that remains unsolved. This event will be held at 211 10th Street, southwest from 1 to 2 p.m. For more information, call 505-247-838832. If you're unable to make the Con Mujeres campaign's event, don't fret. You can have mocktails and test your history con tus mujeres favoritas. The UNM Women's Resource Center is hosting this party on Thursday, March 10th from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. In the Casas del Rio conference area, you will find trivia pros, good energy, and refreshments, so don't miss it. The Women's Resource Center doesn't just enjoy her street, but cinema too, as well. And they're also hosting a free screening of the film She's Beautiful When She's Angry. This is on March 11th at 5 p.m. in the theater in the basement of UNM's Student Union Building. Now, I really love going to the cinema, but sometimes live theater is more my style. Las Mega Nenas are performing their play, The Chupacabra Cantina, this March 10th, 11th, and 12th at 7.30 p.m. at the North 4th Theater. The goal of this work is to raise awareness about supporting local food and the importance of stopping the use of genetically modified organisms and Monsanto. If you want to join the conversation before the show, use the hashtags BastaMonsanto, NoGMO, and of course, the Chupacabra Cantina. If live theater isn't your style, then maybe come check out live music by native artists in support of the Albuquerque Indian Center, a place that serves more than 100 people a day. They provide services to the urban Native American community, as well as others experiencing poverty or homelessness. The Native Voices Showcase is a benefit being held on March 12th at 6 p.m. at Warehouse 508 on 1st Street. It's brought to you by the Red Nation, For the People, Hojo Tuo, and the Diné Relief Initiative. It also features acclaimed Native artists Wake Self, Radmila Cody, Defy, and more. This is an all-ages event, and all the proceeds go to the Albuquerque Indian Center, which is raising money to keep their doors open. And we also want to remind you that this is a drug and alcohol-free event, which will surely be fun for everyone. On another note, 
Education for parents of Indian children with special needs is holding their sixth annual powwow on Friday, March 18th. Expect a day full of dancing, food, and culture in the Hotel Albuquerque. For more information, contact Veronica Sandoval at 505-767-6630. All of these events are incredibly important, and I love that our community is so full of life and culture. Now, all of you listening to our show, if you really enjoy what we do here, we invite you to come see us live. That's right. Our organization is holding an event to showcase our hashtag NMSpeaksCrisis campaign. If you didn't already know, our state, is in a, our state is in a behavioral health crisis. That's where people don't have access to basic mental health services. We'll be partnering with New Mexico PBS to present the stories of over 2,000 New Mexican families who are speaking out against the crisis that New Mexico is in. We as a state do not have a comprehensive, integrated, and culturally appropriate behavioral health system, and these families are proof of this. On the night of March 23rd, a Wednesday, join us at the Chemo Theater from 7 to 9 p.m. For more information, you can contact our operations coordinator, Jennifer Lim, at 505-277-1831. Or join us on social media and talk to us using our hashtag NMSpeaksCrisis. Thank you for joining us, and I hope to see you out there around the community. I'm your host, Quetzbalin Mashika, And I'm Aaron Hagler. Thank you, Quetz and Aaron, for letting us know about all those exciting events. We have reached the end of tonight's program. Thank you all for joining us this evening. We'd like to thank Elijah Ramos, Odalis Garcia, and Brenda Enriquez for sharing their stories and truth with us. And a big thank you to Jessa Bunker for sharing her knowledge. Thank you to Pegasus Legal Services for Children for helping to make this show possible. We'd also like to thank Kamaria Umi for engineering this evening's show. Production assistance came from Tamara Kalaki, Kateri Zuni, George Luna Pena, Melissa Harris, Paula Danette Claw, Jennifer Lim, and Roberta Royale. And last, but certainly not least, much appreciation to all of our youth members here at Generation Justice. We can't do what we do without you. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and so much more. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe. We're also active on social media, so please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, New Mexico Childhood Education Funders Group, and of course, all of you who contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. I'm Kenya Alonzo. And I'm Edgar Cruz. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Now here's Lucetta with some more music. To end the show tonight, we're going to hear more music by strong female artists in honor of International Women's Day, which is March 8th. La Delita by Revolutionary Mexicana, followed by Doo-Wop by Lauren Hill. I was your music host tonight, Lucero Velasquez. Yo, remember yo. back on the bully when cats used to harmonize like, <laughs> yo, yo, my men and my women, don't forget about the thing, this is not the most the king, yo, it's about a thing, uh, yo, 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 y